Good afternoon. <laughs> Sorry, that Isaac took me by surprise there. I was trying to think of a joke for agency affairs. There's no affairs in our agency. Wrong sofa. Should be doing that. Maybe we should move over to that sofa. So the reason we've got the mic set up as well is because we're going to create a podcast from this as well. In fact, last week was our inaugural testing of this. So we're not sure whether it's worked or not, but we'll soon find out, I'm sure. Yeah, if you are new to this, this is a 10 we are 15 minute loose women styled show. Uh, <laughs> loose agents, that's what we should call it. <laughs> where we talk about any news that's come up over the last week, give our opinions, we'd love your opinions and talk about the news and what's happening right now. So I've got filter blind react to some of these. One piece of news I have is I'm going to watch McFly tonight. One piece of news I have is I'm going to Norway tomorrow. One nil to Phil. <laughs> you know you've completely ruined your street cred. Don't have any. Okay, so this is the first story about housing stock. This was from Property Industry Eye yesterday, I think. Housing stock has dropped significantly since the beginning of this year, driven in large part by high demand from buyers. There's a bit about the stamp duty holiday, which we don't take any notice of, but it's also talking about mortgage advances in the second quarter of this year year being at the highest level since 2007. No surprise there, is there? No, I don't think so. Do you think there's going to be, well, you're too young to comment on this really, but thinking about how the mortgage lending criteria, I mean, it's a lot tighter now. But well, we were having a conversation a few weeks ago about how you used to just tell the mortgage company what you earned <laughs> <laughs> and then signed it off. Which we were a bit shocked about, weren't you? It's a bit, yeah, yeah. I wish I could do that now. Do you know what? When I first ever got my first mortgage, you had to have an interview in person with either the bank manager or the mortgage lender. You couldn't just get one over the phone or online or whatever. You had to go in and had to speak to them so they could assess your character. Your character? Yeah, you, literally your character. And then it went completely the opposite direction to self-certification mortgages. Do you remember those? When they did they great. start? But that led to a boom. That's That was partly what caused the problem yeah so that probably started in about 2004 right where you could just make it up you didn't have to have any proof in fact wage slips in those days were non-automated wage slips so they were just handwritten on pieces of paper so you could just make up a few wage slips not that i ever did that but sort of towards sort of 2006 2007 people were starting to be called out on it and some people went to prison for mortgage fraud and that, that started being reported on that's life and watchdog and all those kind of consumer affair programs and then things started to change and then the bottom fell out of the financial world. So Michael Gove has been promoted to housing secretary. And he's said that we need to prepare ourselves for some potential changes. So what could those be, do you think? Well, just a side comment. One of our clients' sons is, is one of the um, ministers, the defence minister, in fact. Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. You, you didn't come, but mm. so he has a very interesting job. And his constituency is up for debate because they're going to move them all around, aren't they? I think Farrens is up for debate as well. Not Tim's, surely. Well, he'll still be able to run, but they're they're making them much bigger, I think. Our MP is Tim Farron, which is why I don't vote. Can't vote for him, can't vote against him. He has a monopoly around here, but he's actually a nice guy, which is why we can't vote against him. So what do you think he's going to bring in? Do you think he's going to bring in some kind of regulation, some kind of licensing, like they have in the States? So in the States, if if somebody wants to sell their own home, they've got to actually get a real estate license to sell their own home. You have to have a real estate professional to sell a home with a license. I think something is going to cut. It's just how they do it. I saw Perry talking about it, saying that he thinks everyone should be regulated. And I guess there should be something. I'm just not sure what that is. Just because you've passed an exam, it doesn't mean you're any better or any worse than someone that hasn't passed that particular exam. I, do um, think, I guess it'll give you some kind of base knowledge. Yeah, but, but base knowledge in what? You know, flying freeholds, what does that help? The challenge I have with it is how do you actually teach somebody to value a home correctly when actually none of us really know? You know, apart from things like precedent and price per square foot, well, 
that's fine. Once we've got those in the bag, then what? The only thing I hope he doesn't do is go to the Scottish system of valuation by someone else. Yeah. And then it's almost a flat figure and... It's not market forces then. No. Imagine if you've got surveyors involved in our... I mean, they're already too involved as they surveyors are. Surveyors have too much power as it is. Yeah. So I hope he doesn't go down that route. We've had an undeveloped... But it's Gove. Gove loves getting his fingers in things that he probably shouldn't. So he's bound to do something a bit of a gimp, he, really, do you think? I don't like the fact that somebody looks like that could be in charge of our housing <laughs> It looks a bit industry. like a, a caricature. He does. He looks like Tintin that's grown up too much. Yeah. He likes to do controversial things as Gove, so <laughs> I'm sure he'll do something. Yeah, I, I guess it's easy for us to say because we like to think we know what we're doing and we do things correctly and do things morally, but there are people out there that don't, and I suppose there needs to be something brought in to protect You can't that. protect somebody from no, the rage and have lack of morals. No, you can't. No matter what you do. And yeah. that's actually it's the biggest be a problem test in the industry. Pass, so what's the point? Exactly. But, are you honest? But yes, then, tick. I think that they've tried to regulate the industry in a ridiculous way with the TPO. I mean, the AML is embarrassing. What's the point in the AML? What do you pay for? They charge us money. It's only £100 a year or something like that. But what's, what are we paying for? And then we, have, know, we have to collect to all this information that, that all we do is put into this database that mm-hmm. people far cleverer than us could get around, I'm sure. If someone wanted to money launder, they're more intelligent than our systems that cost mm-hmm. a pound per search. So yeah, it's like they put a lot of responsibility on us in certain sections. And then, and then us. totally don't care about the industry <laughs> in others. So it'd be nice to kind of level it out, I think. There's no right or wrong here, is there really? There's no easy answer. Another story from Property Industry Eyes says property sellers made an average gain of 110,000 over the last year. When they said property sellers made an average gain, if the average price property in the UK is 330,000 roughly, how can they have made 110? Somebody's got the maths wrong. We're saying properties have gone up in value by 33% in the last year. Then says according to the latest research from Savills, so maybe it's only Savills properties. That possibly has to be. So do you think an average Savills property is 800 to a million and therefore it's 10%? And then it's 10%. That's got to be it. Significantly profited. If the UK is going up by 110 grand, we've got problems. Asking prices hit records high as buyer demand heats up. I, saw, uh, I spoke to you about a house in Sandbanks. I think that's over 10 points from a million. Harry Redknapp's old house. That was amazing. But I thought a house like that in Sandbanks would go for more than 10 million. Yeah, but it's not that much it, money, is it? No, no. And it actually is very expensive real estate in terms of... It was the first place in the UK to go over £1,000 square foot. What is it at the moment then? How many square feet was it? It looked maybe... 6,000 square foot, but it had a additional accommodation as well. So And, and yeah, frontage? Probably, probably 6,000 square foot. I don't know. Are we losing touch with reality that 10 million doesn't sound a lot? Me personally. Well, you then, yeah. No, no, I, obviously it's a lot of money, but we have someone around the corner to sell for 75 million, not house, business. So we think house then <laughs> on a 2% fee. I thought, um, I thought you'd got the decimal point in the wrong place. No, it's so 75 million. So he must be one of, and I know it's not overly common, but we've met two or three in the last month that have, have got that sort of money. Yeah, one guy has so sold you'd expect, for 275 million. So, and you'd say sandbanks, 6,000 square foot, beachfront, probably one of the most sought after houses mm. in the country. Therefore, 10 million doesn't seem that much money in that sense. No. Because how many people have 10 million pounds? Quite a lot, don't they? Suppose, yeah. Well, we know a few. It's a two-bed terrace in the centre of London. <laughs> yeah. I read this wrong. This is about strike. No fee agent. strike still around? There used to be how simple. No fee agent strikes the £5 billion sales landmark. I misread it and I read it as they'd picked up a £5 million property. So, Well, hang on. No fee agent strikes £5 billion sales landmark. So they've sold property worth £5 billion. Yeah. Right. I'd say. Don't know. It's, you can't really say if it's impressive or not. It depends how long they've been going. A very long time. Is that guy who was doing £99 still going? 
the young lad who set it up in sixth form. I don't know. What's his name? Somebody will tell us. Yeah. And also, I want to know if anybody knows what Jamie Lester's up to these days as well. Who's he? He's one of the original apprentices that started up in the state agency. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. The apprentice as in Alan Sugar? Yeah. And I think he came second. And actually, Alan Sugar said, Sir Alan, said he was one of the nicest guys he'd ever met. Lord Alan? No, Lord Sugar. Sir Alan, Lord Sugar. Got to get it right. What? Yeah. It's got to be Sir Alan or Lord Sugar. You don't say Sir Sugar or Lord Alan. It's just etiquette, Phil. It's just basic etiquette. I'm not sure. I went to the right right. schools. So two more stories. These are a bit more fun. We met someone off the apprentice a few weeks ago, didn't we? Did I? Were you there? You might have gone to bed. Uh, Expert Empires. Oh. Loved herself. They always do. It's coming back round again, isn't it? I mean, I loved her as well, but... Did you? I bet you did. If I'm around when Phil's trying to chat up ladies, I always say, this is my son-in-law. He's married to my daughter. How often do I try and chat up ladies while you're around? It has happened once, but you won't do it again, wouldn't you? It hadn't happened once at all. So this is about TikTok. It offers a potentially good opportunity for agents to reach younger audiences, including a number of prospective buyers and renters, says Property Mark. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> I think... What do you think, Property Phil? God, that would be a rough name, wouldn't it? <laughs> I don't think TikTok will ever have a place in mid to high-end property sales. I don't think it has a place in low-end property sales. But I, I do think it has a place in low-end and... Definitely rentals. I think it has a place in personal brand building. Yeah. As a, and then everything fun. else is a byproduct of that. Yeah. It's certainly not. If you've just opened your agency and you're trying to build uh, your business and presence and, and get listings, it's something not to spend time on. Don't start there. In fact, it's probably like the 10th thing you should do. And most people never get past three. So yeah, even we haven't really. And then lastly, we have had this conversation before, actually, about the great suit debate. We have lots of conversations about it. In fact, what were the answers on there? So it's agents today, Van. There's only one share. An article. What does the property industry think about suits? Mm-hmm. Don't know why they've uh, hashtagged suit debate and property estate agent today. Nat and Craig. It looks like it's, me. it's a, a post from a different platform. Well, it's from it's been Hootsuite. Shared. Yeah, I think there's only one answer here, actually. And it's no, probably quite a boring answer that just wear what you think feels right for the job you do. And for the people that you're trying and to attract. People, yeah, for the people trying to attract. I always say look like them on a good day. Because so, there are people, some of our clients that are Firewave members that wear suits and feel good wearing suits mm-hmm. and that's what makes them mm-hmm. perform at their best and therefore they shouldn't change and all of a sudden wear something else. However, just as a... As a counterpoint to that, if they are not getting into the houses they want to get into, they could look at the retire to decide whether that's something they could change. Because if you're a lady of a certain age, as some of us are, and you are wearing a suit and you're not getting into the high value homes, or if you are, you're then not getting the conversion, I would look at your attire because your attire is really, really important. And I don't think a suit is appropriate for a high value home. And that's for ladies and gents. So if you look like them on a good day, what does that mean? You know, when they're going out for a coffee date or something where they're going out and doing something nice with friends socially, what would they wear then? So it's not too formal. It's not too bright, colourful, exuberant. It's something that is, well, smart, casual. It's an awful term, but that's actually what we're talking about. Phil goes like he is, don't you? Show them your shoes. What are they called? These, Trainers? I don't know. Show them. Show what them make inside. is it? Uh, they're actually a make that, because I buy way too many shoes, like ridiculous amount of shoes. And this is a make that is zero, net zero. Carbon footprint. Yes. I feel like if I wear two expensive shoes to go. Two, not three. Two as in or T- not one. T-O-O, two O's. Then people think, you know, a bit weird. Well, you could actually go. Unnecessary. The next step of this is the car debate, really, isn't it? Because we've had this conversation a lot of times because you said the other day to somebody that 
you would like to get a Porsche, but then you don't think our clients would like no, that. No, I think I'll get over KM, the big one. I don't think I'll get over 911, mm. which I wouldn't really want a 911, but yeah. We need to move these so we can lie back rather than us having to. We do. But back to suits. <laughs> it's all gut feeling and it is on a p- your opinion as well. Like, there's no real evidence to say it's a defining factor. Like If everything, because here's the, the reason why, nothing is ever equal across all of the parts. Yeah. So you could say if every single thing is equal, then dress sense may come into it or you, what you're wearing comes into yeah, it. But, if but you're, it's very difficult. No, I wouldn't agree with that because if you're Karen Brady mm. and you go in, you can get away with the suit because you've got the gravitas, you've got the experience, you've got the confidence. But she would get away the name. with anything because she got the name. Yeah. So, so all things equal. are never equal. So the three A's that I talk about with the triple A team, do you know what they are? Triple A team. Mm-hmm. That, that Snickers guy. What? Attitude, aptitude, appearance, those three things. And those three things together cover everything, really. So your attitude when you walk through the door, your confidence and everything. So that can overcome a bad clothes, can't it? But appearance, you will be judged on straight away. And the your aptitude is, you know, can you deliver successfully? Can you talk to them about things in their house that they need to change? Can you demonstrate skills and experience? Can you demonstrate sensitivity? And all those things are really, really important. So if one of them is low, like your dress sense is, you know, a little bit scruffy or it's overly formal, then the other two things have to work harder to overcome that. So you're better off giving yourself the easiest possible chance with mm. dressing like them on a good day and then that's that tick in that box. Then all you have to do is attitude and aptitude. I was watching a programme the other day and I was thinking about how this person, particular person, said hi to people and it was Gordon Ramsay. And he, he was very, not aggressive, but very... Exuberant. Very firm in the way he did it. He didn't just put his hand out and wait. He almost stepped into their space and was talking at the same time. It was authoritative, but it was also like warm and welcoming as well. And it made me think about how I do it. And I probably put my hand out and wait and it's a bit more passive, isn't it? Mm. Rather than he was like Submissive. stepping to... Yeah. I quite if you think like about the, the best politicians, so people like whatever your political bias is, forget that, David Cameron and Tony Blair and Bill Clinton, those three are probably some of the most charismatic leaders we've had in the last 30 years. And if you think about how they are... Johnson's quite charismatic. Oh, no, no, I'm Johnson. Well, I really like Johnson, but then that would polarise people too much, wouldn't it? But yeah, you can imagine he would just be a little bit maybe like noddy wouldn't he a bit exuberant like a little puppy but the other three i think are a bit more <laughs> a bit more like you've just said like gordon ramsay where they're a bit more I assertive and energetic it's very charismatic so i think that if you're charismatic if you have a natural charisma and don't rely on your own judgment for this then you can wear what you like because it doesn't really matter so gordon ramsay you probably wouldn't even notice what he was wearing because he's got his charisma richard branson probably another one but if you haven't got the charisma then your clothes are going to have to do some of the work for you so therefore, your clothes need to make the right statement. It took us about four years to persuade Mr. George Verdis of London Executive in Marleybone to stop wearing a tie. And it was a real big thing for him, actually. He still wears a very nice suit and a very crisp shirt with proper cufflinks. Crisp shirt. Very crisp shirt it is. And I'm sure he feels a little bit naked without his tie. But I think it was a positive thing for him. I think a tie can bring you down a level below that of the client that's in front of you. Yeah, I certainly think it's something worth thinking about, how you dress. But then would you expect your bank manager to wear a tie? You wouldn't expect to go into a bank branch, would you, and them not be wearing a tie? Although, actually, they're all in uniform now, aren't they? I can't remember the last time I saw a bank manager. Are they in uniform? I can't remember going into a bank. <laughs> Don't need a bank, do you? Isaac's pushing for a pay rise. That's the news. <laughs> that's the news, yes. Yeah, that's the, that's news. the latest news. <laughs> Isaac pushes for... That's a very easy answer. It's the easiest answer in the whole show. <laughs> 
So in the next the next two weeks, I'm not going to be here. Are you going to carry on with this? I might invite someone to debate on here with. <laughs> Who are you going to invite? I'm not sure. He'll be on my team. No, you have to have something that's not on your team. Actually, I'll just say this because I know the eyes cast go, but I had a very interesting conversation with George yesterday, and he won't mind me sharing this, about the disc profiling, which we won't go into, but basically, depending on your disc profile is how you react to other people. And the it's D-I-S-C, so the D and the C is task orientated and the I and the S are people orientated. And Phil is a very high D, which is dominant and determined and all the D words actually, and so am I. But not he that also, D word. He also has a he also has a high I. And I don't have a high I. And George does as well have a very high I. The difference between us is Phil and George like other people to agree with them and I don't. They actually must agree with me. Yeah, so I said to George, right, imagine you're in a val, let us play it out. Imagine you're in a val and they say, thank you so much for the £4 million valuation giving me on my house. I've actually decided to go to Purple Bricks because I'm an expert marketer and I think I can do a good job. What's the next thing you say? And he spent minutes trying to talk them out of it. I go, do you know what? I wouldn't talk them out of it. I, I get the competition, you know, element of it, but I'm actually just really interested in what makes somebody, you know, go that route and pick that decision. Tell me about it. But I don't want to try and change their mind. I just want to just listen to them. Same as they're of different persuasion politically, because I said this to him and I said, what religion are you? And he's Greek Orthodox, which I didn't even know. So I said, okay, well, imagine if you're... You thought he was French. <laughs> you thought he was French. French Orthodox. So I said, uh, imagine if you're talking to somebody from the Amish population. He, didn't, he hadn't heard of that. But anyway, if he had, and I explained that they don't use technology or any mechanics, what would you do then? He goes, uh, great, they've given me the opportunity to get ahead of them. I said, well, but would you try and persuade them to like drive a car and have an iPhone? But he said, no, he wouldn't. So there are some circumstances he wouldn't try and change them to his viewpoint. I mean, I, I'm vegetarian, but I don't try and change anybody's mind. But you're a meat eater and you do. Yeah, but there is a line somewhere because if I met someone that wasn't a Carlisle fan, I'm not going to try and convince him to be a Carlisle fan. Oh, you've got no chance. You have to be able to have a chance of winning in both senses of the word. Mm. How about if somebody said to you, the Freya passed it? Well, they'd just be dead to me. So it's, <laughs> it's of no consequence. So you had a conversation with my daughter in my kitchen the other day about sexism and racism, remember? I don't know why you set yourself up for it, I really don't. Yeah. Would you not be prepared just to listen to her point of view and then not comment? It's not an opinion. Hers isn't an opinion based on any kind of <laughs> intellect or fact. So no. However, I've got some... Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. You believe in God. Let's bring some intellect and fact into that. No, no, no. Um, and that's this week's no, agency. No, no, no way. No, you're not. You're trying to define what God is to me. Well, there's no fact in it. You've but got, you're trying to define it. You're imagining what I think it is. Do you feel like you've had proof that there is a God? Do I need... No, no. Do you feel like you have had proof there is a God? Proof. Or that you do have proof there's a God? And I'm not going to argue with you, as no, you know. No, no. I'm thinking about it. Because <laughs> well, like, your definition of my belief is incorrect. I think that your belief... I believe your belief isn't based on intellect or fact. But the belief, yeah, no, I agree. But you're misinterpreting the reason why. Reason why what? The reason why I choose to think there is something else. Yeah, but you choose to think. Yeah. But not I, based but on I, intellect or fact. But I, I wouldn't argue on it. But Tess chooses to believe something that's not based on intellect but or fact. But she would argue on it. <laughs> well, only with you. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. And do you know what? When we were in, just changing the subject a little bit away from God, because it's probably a bit inflammatory, we were down at Seriously Fun Business the other day and watching Matt in action. And he said, when you're in a valuation point, we didn't use those words, when you're in a sales consultation, you're repeating back to them or you're summarizing or you're making sure you've got the main points. Don't change their words because it sounds like you're correcting them. So don't make it sound worse or better than they said. And you can do that by 
repeating their words back to them. And it's the same kind of thing. Otherwise, you're trying to change their opinion to your opinion. You're actually trying to manipulate them. But actually, by asking them the right questions, they will come to their own decision. And therefore, that will be a stronger decision than the decision that you could have forced upon them. What do you think? I agree. I totally agree. And the last time we didn't agree, you tried to change your mind. What was it? I can't remember. But I've never understood this logic that since I was a child, people always said, you always think you're right. Well, if I walked around thinking I was wrong all the time, you've got problems. Yeah, but you could walk around thinking that you may be right, you may be wrong, but you're going to try and find out. It's much easier just to think you're right. <laughs> Isn't it? Well, it takes less time. Yeah. <laughs> right, and if that. at any point I find out I'm wrong, I'll change my mind and then I'm still right. So I'll just change my mind. So... <laughs> right well i think we will leave it there because we went off on a big tangent I can't, there. yeah i can't remember what the point of that was tiktok <laughs> no no it was a suit a suit yeah. the suit debate this one here from estate agency today so yeah phil's gonna try and strong arm somebody to come and argue with him on the sofa so that'll be interesting <laughs> to see uh, and if anyone was from the group we could always stream yard i do enjoy debating my you, wife hates it you enjoy being right absolutely hates it but, yeah. you get very militant i also do enjoy people challenging my opinions only if they're wrong if they're wrong yeah no, no, no. Only if they're proved to be wrong and you're proved to be right. Well, you, well a lot of things you can't prove, can you? <laughs> well, like the existence of God. And there's no fact behind racism, sexism. There's a huge grey area of opinion. Agreed. So, same thing. And on that note, we really are going to wrap up. So next week, on the week after, I won't be here. But should we just quickly mention the Edge webinar on Thursday, the 30th of September. It's a week today. It is Thursday, isn't it, today? 11 o'clock in the morning. But not for me. It's 12 o'clock in the afternoon because I will be in Svalbard and I will prove to you that I'm in Svalbard by showing you on my webcam as long as it's a um, nice view, <laughs> which case might not if it's not. But yeah, so that's where I'll be coming to you from. It's the only work I'm going to do while I'm away. I'm going to come to you for this webinar and the webinar is about 3Xing your valuations in the next three months because the two problems we can see at the moment that we think most of you have is low stock and really downward pressure on fees. We've had the first pressure on fees in the last few weeks since we opened. Mm. Yeah. So we're yeah. going to address that and in this uh, webinar. The third one is the challenge, of, which will then lead to cash flow challenges in six months' time. Yeah. When you've spent all your summer earnings. And you've bought a boat. Mm. Okay. Bye, guys.